All right, Chuck, we are back to discuss the exciting top five of our top ten. Have you, do you read other um, top ten lists? I do. And sometimes I think, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that is exactly what comes to mind sometimes. I, I, I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> I, I, I read, and I, I, I don't, I know this is going to come off poorly. But I, I read some of these lists, and I sometimes wonder if they list. It, it's like brand flakes. It's it's like a list of movies that you should watch and you should like. And if you don't like these movies, then there's something wrong with you. And I and I understand that. But there's also, and I think you and I are on the same page with this. If you're going to deliver a message, there's got to be an entertainment factor to it as well. It has to be presented in such a way that is engaging. And so many of these other films that I see topping these lists, I, I, I tip my hat to their noble intentions, but I'm checking my phone as I'm watching them. And, and to, <laughs> me, to me, that means that there's something not quite right. Right, right. Yeah, if you're not totally immersed in the film, then something's missing. Yeah. Do you, so, do you dare give away one of the, the top ten lists? What's with this first fucking cow thing, okay? <laughs> if you could explain that to me, okay? Mm. I understand. Yeah, don't, don't, no, don't imitate the cow, okay? <laughs> I know it's about commerce. I get it. I know it's about, you know, small startups being crushed by big corporate. I get it. I get it. But it's, you know, you don't have to recreate that era of the 1800s where the excitement was watching the grass grow. I, I, that's what I thought I was watching with this thing. And I'm, oh, Jesus. You know, I, I watched it, and as you were describing it, and you said first cow, I'm like, what was first cow about? What was first cow about? Said's cow. And then I couldn't really remember until you said watching the grass grow. Oh, that's right. Now I remember. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, total snooze fest. And, and dare I mention Nomadland? You may. You may dare. Okay. <laughs> Our own critics group, actually. I know. Love that film. And I get it. The intention of this, the timing of this, it speaks to an incredibly important topic. And it's incredibly tragic, incredibly timely. I understand that the structure of the film, I think, was made to mirror the character's drifting existence. Free spirited. I get it. But again, I wasn't sucked in. And if I'm not sucked in emotionally in some way, then it's not going to work for me. Now, some of you who love Nomadland will probably say, well, I always knew Kaplinsky was a Grinch and his heart is, in <laughs> fact, the size of a pea. But it just didn't grab me. No, it, it didn't grab me either. I, Again, I, I understand what it's talking about, too. But I think there are like two other movies that I can think of off the top of my head that are better in as you said, engaging and entertaining you while it tells you this very striking and relevant story about poverty and homelessness or houselessness as they refer to. Yes. I, I did like that, and you, you yeah. called my attention to that. Um, and and uh, Pete. Uh, Lean on Pete. Lean on Pete was oh one God. of them. And then The Short History of the Long Road was another one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, two incredible stories that really take us into the personal lives of, of the people that are experiencing these issues and give us empathy. And not to say that Nomad Lad didn't. It just lacked a story and it lacked an arc and it lacked... Yeah. You know? Again, Can you put I, your finger on it? Well, I think, again, that, you know, the character is drifting. And I think that the film was constructed to mirror that. 
And while that is a noble intent, it doesn't make for, for me, you know, engaging, you know, engaging filmmaking. But well, again, that's just me. I'm probably wrong, but <laughs> it just didn't do it for me. But what's interesting is, is that uh, First Cow was directed by our favorite filmmaker, Kelly Reichert. And she did a great film about poverty a few years back called Wendy and Lucy. I didn't and see that one. Oh, my God. Michelle Williams. She's oh, trying to get oh. to Alaska with her dog. Okay. And her car breaks down. Uh-huh. And uh, it is one of those that is just sucks you in and breaks your heart and proves that you can tackle these subjects while being engaging. And, uh, yeah, first cow just didn't do it for me. I guess I'm stupid. <laughs> and I am as well. Right. It's, it's a good boat that we're in there I together guess. then, right? <laughs> so what was your number number five? My number five was actually your number eight. It was Soul. That's so, right. Again, streaming on Disney Plus. Take a look at that one now. Tell us are you your number no, tell us your number five. <laughs> my number five my number five uh was one that um was Emma. Oh, that one went back and forth on my top ten. Yeah, I see it's it's it's, it's knocking on the door there. Um, Emma with uh, Anya Taylor Joy, uh, a woman who I have always always enjoyed. Uh, first time I saw her in The Witch, and, and she was very memorable in the uh, M Night Shyamalan film Split. Uh, oh, yeah. And people are finally catching up to her thanks to The Queen's Gambit uh, on Netflix. Uh, she's a dynamic actress, and she brings so much joy and mischievous mischievousness to Emma, uh, the latest um, adaptation of the Jane Austen novel uh, about Emma who, Woodhouse, who's just bored out of her mind, so she decides she's going to be matchmaker and manipulate people's lives and thinks that she is just the queen's, the, 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 the bee's That's knees, the cans, yeah, whatever that is, <laughs> until it all kind of comes back and bites her right in the ass. Uh, and she learns a hard lesson about manipulating people's emotions and uh, sticking her nose in where it doesn't belong. Uh, this is a beautiful film, costume-wise, setting-wise. I mean, it's just absolutely stunningly gorgeous. Uh, has great support from Bill Nye as Emma's dad. And you got to interview him for this. Got to interview him. He was just as charming as I hoped he would be. Uh, why is this in my top ten? Well... It, it helped me escape. It really just took me away uh, to, to uh, you know, this, this other way of life uh, in the 18th century. And it just seemed to have a sense of joy about it. I smiled throughout this entire movie. And I, I guess it just hit me, and, and I needed it at that point when I saw this. Uh, I enjoyed it more than the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow version. Uh, and hey, you know what? If your kids, if they've watched Clueless a couple times, make them sit down and watch this and explain to them, this is where it comes from. Right. Did you have, um, I mean, she's a busybody. Emma's a busybody. Yes. She, she just wants to, like you said, manipulate she's everybody. She's bored. Um, did you have anybody in your high school or um, junior high that was like the Emma type of girl? Oh, completely. Yeah? Completely. Really? Okay. Edie. <laughs> what was her name? Edie. Edie. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Wow. I remember eating. Okay. Ooh. For a, lot, a couple of different reasons. Ooh. Mm-hmm. We'll look, talk later. The look in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You'll have, definitely tell me later. I yeah. think everybody has an Emma in their life. So check this one out. I, I thoroughly enjoy this one as well. My number four was the 40-year-old version. And that is about a black woman rapper. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, how in the world would I ever appreciate or understand <laughs> a story about a woman who is black and a rapper? And oh my God, I totally connected with this woman on every level. This is a, a universal story of somebody reaching the age of 40, looking back on your life and saying, what have I accomplished? Where was my potential when I was 30? Did I realize what I was supposed to do? No, none of us do. We all go different directions. Things happen in our lives. And this is exactly what's happened to the character of Radha, played by Radha Blank. She wrote and direct this, directed this, um, and this actually premiered at Sundance last year. Mm-hmm. So one of those gems that kept, kept streaming along until this year. Um, she is a teacher. Wow, these whole, this teacher theme. Is dissatisfied just, teachers. Dissatisfied teachers. Yeah. Well, actually, she's like a... Uh, community college teacher sure, in New York sure. City. Sure, sure. So there's a bit more to it. Yeah. And, the, and these are these are kids that call her out on her bullshit. Yeah. And um, mainly respectfully, but a couple not so much. And there are issues among the students. And it's the connection that she has with these kids that actually pushes her forward to try and branch out. And a she has to overcome um, her uh, lack of 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 drive and ambition. And she also has to deal with the fact that her mother just passed away. So she has a few things going on in her life, and she tries to go back to her her roots of of doing rap when she was mm-hmm. a younger person. And oh my gosh, this is hysterical. It is so funny. It is sweet. It is uh, just, like I said before, a universal story that I think we can all relate to as we get older and look back and we have regrets. How are we going to change those yeah. things? And can we overcome them? Um, beautiful, funny, smart. Um, just a film that I, I never, once again, like Sound of Metal, thought that I would be able to relate to or enjoy, and I did on every single level. I, I caught up with this one. Oh, you did? Good. I did. And as I watched it, I was making s- connections between this and Soul. Okay. As far yeah. as, you know, regrets. Right. And one Second last, chances. One last chance. Yeah. And the music thing, of course, even though they're different genres, I, I, you know, that was there as well as far as a means of expression. Um, yeah, it's, it's all about validation. You know, we all need that validation in one way or another every once in a while. And, and, and that's what she's seeking. Uh, like you, I was like, yeah, this is not my kind of yeah, movie. Yeah, you didn't want to watch it. I kept telling you, watch it, watch it. Got sucked into it and like, yeah, she's, she's really good. And I'm curious, I don't know what Miss uh, Blank is going to be doing next. Uh, but she's a dynamo, and, and I'm intrigued what what, uh, what the future holds her, for her uh, on the basis of this movie, oh, it, which you can see on Netflix. Right, yeah. It, it, her performance is so genuine and authentic. Yes. Is this her story? Exactly. <laughs> oh, it has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah, you don't catch her acting. No, no. She's not acting. She's just being. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's funny, too. Yeah, I loved is. that balance. When you can pull all of those elements together and create an engaging and entertaining story that is still something that you can relate to and learn from. Who to thunk it? Who to thunk it? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> number three. What do you got for number three? Uh, actually, it would be not my number four. Oh, I'm sorry. Because, yeah, we scripted. Oh, we started yeah, with me. Right, right. I'm sorry. Uh, mine was uh, a film that, that I connected with, uh, The Way Back. Uh, with Ben Affleck, and uh, in the last episode, we talked about how we've had we had two performances this year, uh, a very personal nature with Pete Davidson and King of Staten Island, and then of course this with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, uh, he plays a uh, former high school basketball star, 
uh, who is now an alcoholic. Uh, he has suffered some tragedies in his life. Uh, he's not dealing with them very well, and he's turned to drink. Uh, he is then called back to his high school uh, and asked to be the boys' basketball coach, a job that he doesn't want to take, uh, but guilt and the lack of having nothing else to do kind of make him do this. And it is a venue for him to get some small um, small modicum of, of redemption. Now, in my describing this, you're thinking, okay, well, I've seen this movie before. You know, it's another one of those sports movies where everything, we got the big game at the end, and we win, and everything turns out okay, and that is not what this film is. I thought this was a profoundly moving film for me because this, this guy is lost. If you've ever been lost and don't know where to turn in your life, this movie will speak to you. And this is a flawed man. This is a very, very flawed man. And there's no guarantee that this guy, uh, there's no happy ending here. There's a maybe. Mm -hmm. There's a maybe. There's a question mark. Uh, there, there are no guarantees this guy is going to pull it all together. Uh, and, and kudos to Affleck because we know th uh, from the news and the tabloids he's suffered with alcoholism for quite some time. He's had his ups and his downs. And it's obvious that he drew on that in this performance, and it's an incredibly honest, mm -hmm. honest performance, and that I found to be quite, quite moving. Uh, the sports story is engaging as well. The kids on the team, you, you like them. Uh, they have their own struggles. Um, so yeah, it does go somewhat down a familiar path, but then it veers off into something a bit more serious and meaningful. And, and I uh, think more realistic. Much more realistic, you know? exactly right, and I think that's another reason why, why it hits so close mm -hmm. to home for me. Uh, that that we're not sugarcoating things here. And, and I, I found that incredibly refreshing. And this one kind of got lost in the shuffle because it came out along with Emma right before theaters yeah. shut down. Uh, and I know he won't be nominated, but he should be because I thought it was a great performance. I think it's probably one of his best performances. I think it is. You know? I think it is, yeah. yeah it, that one fluctuated in and out of my top ten as well. And, and it stuck with me as well. Um, and I think just because it... It is a, a, a typical story with atypical elements mm -hmm. to give it a, a very fresh and real feel. Yeah, yeah. Really loved it. Good, good, good. And that brings us to number three. And my number three is Promising Young Woman. You know, it's interesting as I look at some of my, my top films, including some of my Tied for 11ths, um, I have a lot of first-time writers and directors in, in there. Well, you know, I think if COVID did anything in the film industry, it kicked the door open yeah. for people who, you know, obviously these movies were made before COVID hit, but suddenly they got more play than they might have. And right. I think that was definitely the case with this. Um, Promising Young Woman is written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who is an actress uh -huh. and makes a cameo. Um, in a YouTube Great tutorial. Great cameo. <laughs> I won't tell you what she's, she's teaching you how to do. Uh, Carrie Mulligan uh, plays a woman that has little direction. It seems like I have a common theme here, too, of people not having lost, direction and in a rut. Lost yeah. people. Hmm, does that say something about our know. society? Hmm. Or us? Well, no, not us. <laughs> We're laser focused. Laser uh, focused. Carrie Mulligan is going to be turning 30. She's working in a dead end job in a coffee shop. Um, and she runs into uh, a former classmate from med school, um, played by Bo Burnham. His name is Ryan. Carrie Mulligan's character of Cassidy um, goes out and looks like she's binging blackout drunk at 
clubs at night and is taken home by random men only nice to, guys oh yeah they're nice using guys quotes. They're nice guys, nice guys. Um, only to teach them a lesson of what mutual consent actually means. The opening scene when she says, hey, what are you doing? Will ring in my ears and it's something that I'm sure a good majority of young women have gone through in their lives. Um, she's trying to teach uh, men, it's a, it's a, a revenge movie. Um, for something that has happened in her past. We don't learn exactly what has happened until a little bit later on in the movie, but that is when she also maybe is going to turn a point in her life and let the past be in the past when she meets Ryan, played by Bo Burnham. This is when the charming, cute, funny comedy aspect comes along mm-hmm. because they're adorable. They are just so mm-hmm. cute together. and. And of course, that can't last for too terribly long, and some other things happen. Um, this is this is a, a continuation of the Me Too movement and story. This is a, a story that needs to be told. Um, this is a story that a lot of women have to deal with in their lives, and I think now with Me Too and with a movie like this bringing um, the the story to the forefront people are going to be able to talk about it. And I think young boys are going to have a great lesson to learn from this and the importance of understanding compromising situations. Um, this is an all-star cast. Um, I love the characters that uh, Emerald Fennell has brought into this, especially uh, Dean Walters, played <laughs> by um, Connie Britton. Connie Britton. Mm-hmm. And um, it comes down to a he said, she said uh, type of situation where um, Dean Walters had all the power and decided not to ruin one young man's life. I'll let you watch the movie from there. I don't want to give anything away. There are a couple of twists in this that are just shocking. Um, Incredible performance by Alfred Molina, who plays a guilt-ridden lawyer. Um, And and Alison Brie gives a great (laughs) performance as a woman who starts to have a little empathy for some situations from the past. Incredible film. I've watched it three times and get something out of it each time. I have an issue with the ending with the accuracy of it. And there were a couple of other issues too. But overall, because of the message and the way that it moved me, it's my number three. Yeah, this is, it's remarkable that this is Ms. Fennell's first film. Because right? she pulls off, it is so hard to mix tones and have it come off. Because this really starts off as a dark comedy. I mean, there are times when you're laughing. You shouldn't be, right. but you're laughing. Right. And, and she's walking that tightrope between the seriousness of this subject that she's tackling, but also she's getting those barbs in, those witty, witty barbs. And then, you know, in the end, this is a tragedy. This is a, this is a profound, profound tragedy uh, of this girl who's stuck. She's stuck. Uh, there's one character at one point who basically says, you've got to move on. Right. You've Molly got Shannon. to move on. Yeah. Uh, and as you say, we get that glimmer of hope that maybe she can, uh, but the, the, the damage is, is just too deep. Uh, and uh, I was shocked by the ending. I didn't think it was going to go as far as it did. Uh, and credit to Fennell for taking it that far to show the damage uh, that's done. Uh, with sexual assault, yeah. and yeah, couldn't be more timely. Yeah. Hey, are we going to talk about the elephant in the room with that variety review? Nah, let's leave yeah, it okay. alone. I'm, that right. guy's All taking right. enough heat. Look, look it up. I think he needs yeah. a little more. To yeah. be honest, with I agree. You. I agree. Uh, number two. Nope. 
Actually, you're number three. Sorry, number three. I keep skipping no, no, you. We're gonna, well, you know, I'm used to it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to skip. We're, we're, we're going to put my number three on hold. No. Yeah, we what? will. We will. Uh, and my number two was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which okay. we talked about last time. Incredible okay. film. My movie, uh, my number one movie of the year, I, I mean, you, you just said something about Promising Young Woman that I'm going to use when talking about spontaneous. You pointed out that Promising Young Woman has its problems, but because of the message you felt it was vital and needs to be on the list. And that's how I feel about this film, too. Uh, spontaneous. It's a film you probably haven't heard about. Unfortunately, it came and it went. Uh, the director is Brian Duffield, and he's adapting a novel by Aaron Starmer. Movie uh, stars Catherine Langford as a young woman named Mara. And if you know Langford at all, it's from Knives Out. Uh, she plays Tony Collette's uh, daughter who is a favorite oh, yeah. of Christopher Plummer. Yeah, she's in that <laughs> film. Here she just plays this girl named Mara. She's just trying to get through her senior year at high school. Has its requisite uh, degrees of good times and drama, the up and down life of a teenager, looking forward to going off to college. And then all of a sudden, her classmates start to explode. <laughs> In class. And the first scene of this film, boy, it, when that happens, it just knocks you back on your heels. And very much like Promising Young Woman, this starts as a dark comedy. You can't believe what you're seeing. It is just so outlandish when you stop to think about teenagers spontaneously combusting. Uh, but then it morphs into something much more timely and much more serious because this spontaneous combustion is just a metaphor for school violence and the school shootings that have plagued our institutions over the past few years. Uh, school being out because of COVID means we haven't had to deal with this uh, in the news. I hope that perhaps this will continue. My fear is that it won't. But Mara's reaction to this is what I find so astounding in this movie. Uh, the adults come in. They have no solutions to this problem. The government comes in and feeds them a line of bullshit, and Mara and her peers call them on it and say, basically, you don't know what you're doing, do you? Thank you very much for all you fuckers who turn a blind eye and take those mo the money from lobbyists for the NRA and just let people have their guns. She's talking to you. And that's what I liked about this girl because basically she's given everybody the middle finger at the end of this movie. She, <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally and figuratively, she and her generation did not ask for this world that they are inheriting, inheriting. They blame us completely as they should and she finds the strength to go on and live her life the way she's going to despite all this crap that's been dumped in her and her peers' laps. And that's what I loved about this movie. It's a movie that needs to be seen not only by people of that generation, but by our generation in an attempt to understand what they're going through, especially people who have their head in the sand as far as these issues are concerned. Spontaneous, you can find it on Video On Demand. I urge you to watch it. And uh, watch it. If you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. <laughs> I would rather much for that if you watch it and you contact me and we have a conversation about it because I think it's a vital movie. So you skipped your number three, went to your number two, and Spontaneous I really liked as well. So And, and you brought it into that deeper level and meaningful level that I think may escape a lot of people. Um, but my number one is your number three. Mm -hmm. And that is The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins as Anthony. 
Um, this is also by a first-time uh, feature writer and director, although he is a playwright and director on the, the live uh, theater stage. Lorian Zeller. Yes, and he wrote this play. He did. He did. And he had performed it, I believe, in Berlin. Yes. And um, to rave reviews, and obviously so. And, and when he wrote this role for Anthony Hopkins, he truly wrote it for Anthony Hopkins. Um, Anthony is an older man, and he is living at his daughter's apartment um, and in London, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, his daughter is played by Olivia Coleman. And we get a sense that you know, things are not going too terribly smoothly. Anthony is a little difficult and needs a little extra care and attention and supervision. We know that there seems to be a little bit of maybe dementia going on. Mm-hmm. This is Anthony's story, and we get to be inside of Anthony's head and see the world the way that Anthony sees the world. Things are changing. He's confused by what he's seeing and what he's hearing and how he's interpreting things. Um, and we are seeing what he's seeing, and we are equally confused. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is dementia affects, I can't remember what the statistics are now, um, millions and millions of people. There's not one person that's listening to this podcast that hasn't been affected or touched in some way by a family member with dementia. This gives you a keen insight as to what they're experiencing and will make you think twice before you say, remember dad? Mm -hmm. Remember mom? Remember? The attention to detail in this film is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the changing set, oh, the Jesus. changing designs, changing photos, changing characters. We don't know what's real and what's going on until nearly the end. And I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, talk about having a, a movie that you are engaged with and that you have total empathy for. As we've discussed in several of our top 10 movies now, this truly allows you to walk and see the world. And someone with dementia, like I've never seen. And you know, the writing is great, but he, Hopkins, Jesus Christ. I know, just when you didn't think Jesus he could do anything Christ. any better I mean, than he has. You know, and I read an interview with him, and he said, Oh yeah, this was easy. And I go, Really? This was easy? And he said he said it was easy because of the cast he was working with. Uh, Olivia Coleman pops up, Olivia Williams is there, uh, Rufus, Rufus Sewell is there. I you mean, they're all Hoops. yeah, they're all top notch. Uh, so I guess when you're playing, you know, with the A team. It does make it a little easier. Oh, but he's the A plus plus. He, yeah, <laughs> just breaks your heart. You know, still Alice with Julianne Moore was oh. moving. That looks like a walk in the park compared to this as far as driving home, as you'd said, what that experience must be like. Uh, very much about like Sound of Metal, which we talked about in the last episode, them recreating what that notion of going deaf is like. This goes as far as I think you can to recreating that confusion of what is real, what's not, what's a memory, what's happening now. And it just drives it home. It's a devastating film. It's a devastating film, and I haven't been able to shake it. Yeah. It's, I, when I was a speech path, I used to work in a nursing home, and I worked with a lot of patients who had dementia. My, my mother had dementia. My father-in-law had dementia. Uh-huh. This really you know, hit home to me, and I remember telling my patients and their families, live in their world, because your, their world is not changeable. Their world is whatever they're living. You have to enter into their world because they don't understand our world anymore. And this, I think, just draws a perfect portrait of of that description. You have to enter into their world because what they're seeing is different and we don't understand it. 
um, incredible performances. You know, and it's interesting what you say about the, the set <clears throat> changing and things like that. It makes me want to see this as a play. Yeah. To see how they oh, pulled right? that off. I know that it... In the round? Yes, or know? how did they do this? Yeah. Um, I know that it premiered on Broadway with Frank Langella. Wow. In the role. Oh, I would love to have seen that, too. Yeah, you know, uh, if Frank Langella is a big man. He's six foot three. He is an imposing presence. <laughs> um, Arthur Miller once said about Death of a Salesman, he said that play doesn't work unless you have a big, physically big man mm-hmm. in the role. You have to see a physically big man brought low for the tragedy to hit home. And I'm sure that must have been the same thing with Langella. Right. To see him reduced as this character is, as big a man as he was, must have been phenomenal. But from a technical point of view, I wonder how they did that, and I'd love to see it. Yeah. Well, and, and Anthony Hopkins' character, he was obviously a, a powerful man, a smart man. Yes. Very um, much together. Under, understands that things are not quite right with him. He knows. And the, those are the, those islands of comprehension, mm-hmm. as they're called. That's a tough position to be in. It's almost easier when you go over to the other side and you don't know what's going on anymore because the level of frustration that we see and he tries to cover up. Oh, well, my watch was in the in yeah. the hiding spot. How did you know that? Yeah, and of he, course I knew that was there. He knows. Yeah, he knows and something's wrong. And that's the tragedy. He, yeah. he knows. Ugh. He knows. Yeah. Thank you, no. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, on that note, <laughs> hey, which ones were knocking on the door of your top ten list? Oh. Uh, you know. As I said, this list was a little easier to make this year, but still, there are some that uh, you get down to the last 20 or 15, you got to make some hard choices. So what was tied for 11th with you? You know, one that went up into my top 10 and switched places with a couple of them was one that was totally unexpected for me, Beasts Clawing at Straws. It's a murder <laughs> mystery, Quentin Tarantino type thing. Okay. From Korea. Right. It was really good. It was super smart. It mm-hmm. was, they had to plan out so many detailed elements of what was happening in the past to be able to put on what was Every happening in the current. Piece oh means my God. something. I watched it twice and I got, I had so much fun with it the second time around to see how incredibly smart it was. If you're craving a Tarantino esque crime thing, Find beasts clawing at straws. You won't be disappointed. This is not better than Tarantino. (laughs) Just a little side note. How about you? (laughs) Uh, Well, you had mentioned Sound of Metal, which is on my top of 11. I also had Never Never Rarely, Sometimes, Often, the uh, abortion film. Uh, One that hasn't been mentioned much uh, that should have been seen on a big screen was Greyhound. Oh, yeah. The Tom Hanks submarine film, I thought, uh, that Apple uh, acquired. Uh, I thought that was very, very old school, old fashioned, but very well done. Very good. Yeah, that was a good one. I enjoyed that one too. What else you got? Um, I've got the artist's wife. Yeah, you like that one I a do. lot with I, Lena Olin yeah. and uh, Bruce Stern. And Bruce Stern, um, and that is another one where there's a scene that just was gutting to me, and that was as they <laughs> were having their Christmas opening of mm-hmm. packages. Um, whoa. And again, this is another one that deals with dementia and how it it doesn't just wreak havoc on that person. It's got a domino effect and it has, it wreaks havoc on the entire family. Yeah. I loved that movie. I thought that was much better than, um, the Glenn Close film of The Wife. Really? Mm. Yeah. I, I put them about on the same level. Okay. It was a sleeper. It was definitely a sleeper. Uh, we said that it was a good year for horror. A uh, great little film called Come Play. Oh, yeah. That you yeah. and I, I knew it was good yeah. when you liked it. Uh, <laughs> uh, a young boy who doesn't speak, uh, and he has a friend, a friend, uh, Stanley, 
uh, who's not a friend you want. Stanley <laughs> lives in the electronic devices that he communicates with, and Stanley wants out. And But just really old-fashioned, atmospheric, uh, the lighting, the editing, uh, just the general creepiness of it. Uh, I, I thought it was quite inventive. Oh, and, and I think the characters were incredibly layered yes. for, a, for a horror movie. I mean, we actually understood Jillian Jacobs' character of the, the mom. mom. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And then the little boy, I don't remember his name. He does a great job. He was He's in Stranger Things. And, and not one word is uttered. Not yeah. one word. He does everything with his body language and facial expressions. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved that movie. That one, that one kind of toyed around in the top as well. Yeah. Um, one movie that I think is a documentary that, you know, teetered on that 10 or 11 was The Social Dilemma. Um, that one was incredibly educational and entertaining about how the social networks uh, target all of us in different ways and how the algorithms work, mm -hmm. which is like way above my pay, pay grade and my mathematical skills, but it really made sense Anywhere. and I understood it and how how we need to be a little bit more cognizant of, of what we're doing and how often we're doing it. How we're manipulated yes, and don't realize totally, it. Yes, totally, totally. Yeah. So. yeah, I know, I know. So overall, I mean, it was a bizarre year, no doubt, and things have changed considerably. And even though it's January, it still feels like last March. The whole year kind of <coughs> melded together for me. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting year in film. And one that we may not have experienced had we not have gone through all of this other stuff. Probably not. <clears throat> Probably not. Uh, I watched things that I would not normally have watched, uh, primarily uh, you know, because I had time, and also because I think uh, some of the smaller studios took advantage of this and pushed their films out a little bit more aggressively uh, than they might have. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if I want to do this year again. No, oh my God, no. <laughs> uh, Film-wise. But I, I think some inroads have been made for smaller films and smaller film companies. We'll see if they capitalize on that. Yep. Keep our fingers crossed. We got the um, Critics' Choice Awards coming up in March, followed by the Independent Spirit Awards in late April, and then the next day we've got the Oscars. So it should be interesting to see who rises to the top. Yeah, I can't, I, I think... Nomadland is, if you had to pick a front runner right now, uh, it seems to be garnering uh, a great deal of praise. So we'll see if it can continue that momentum. But uh, a couple other things coming out. We'll see, we'll see if they make a, a ripple or not. Very good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Let us know what your top 10 are and let us know what you thought of our top 10. Real Talk with Chuck and Pam .com, or you can take a look at us on Facebook as well. Real Talk with Chuck and Pam.